listening to Toy Gatsum, a video game and movie podcast. I'm Russ, Xbox Live, Toaster360. He is Steve, Xbox Live, Stevevich. And we're on our path to victory in episode 170 today, April 26, 2020. We're going to be catching up with each other before we go right into our topic of the day, which is our legends of Runeterra impressions, which you can fast forward to if you look at the timestamps located down below. Otherwise, you just keep on listening. My goodness, Steve, it has been quite a week for me. How has it been for you? Oh, my goodness. I'm just going to say sleep is a luxury. I don't care what anybody says. I think people take it for granted, honestly, but... I'm here to tell you sleep is a luxury because I haven't, for the last almost three weeks, I have been waking up throughout the night as if it was, I, I was 84 years old or something, taking a wee-wee in the middle of the night, but it's more than that. Either my my stomach is acidic or um, I'm <laughs> my muscles are cramping or I can't turn my my brain off from the, the, the stupidest song I've heard the entire day or something, but Whatever it is, Russ, I haven't been able to sleep. I've not been having to function throughout the day, somehow, some way. And last night, I did fall asleep. I only woke up once, but then I, I slept till about 10.30, and I feel like a full battery. It's amazing how that works. It's both luxury, I would even say, and a necessity, which is bizarre, seeing as how those two are polar opposites. Man. I don't know. Yesterday was awful. I don't know how I, I, I functioned somehow. Then I took a nap in the middle of the day and kind of got right through it. But um, my goodness, I feel like a million bucks. I feel like I could take on the world. I felt, if I could sleep like that every single night, I don't know. I think I could be, I could be the next president of the United States. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> you heard it first, ladies and gentlemen, right here. <laughs> Steve, oh, 2020. Anyhow, so I'm feeling great. It's sunny outside, a little breeze. Actually, it's a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a perfect day. It really is outside. I agree. I was looking outside when I woke up this morning and I was opening the blinds to the house and I looked outside. I was thinking, man, this is a really nice day. I'm, I think I'll probably end up going for a walk after this podcast recording just because I just don't want to squander it. Well, that being said, um, <laughs> about going outside and not being inside. I can't tell you how excited I am for uh, the Xbox One Series X. I've been thinking a lot about it this week. And um, at one point, I the, the Witcher was on my Xbox dashboard. And I thought, okay, did they just release something else for it? Because I know a bunch of fans are making different mods for the, the PC version. And so I clicked on it. And, um, and somehow it went on... Uh, my hard drive, which I've never, I, you know, I loaded the game up, but I, I didn't remember transferring it to the hard drive. But anyhow, I guess I did, and it looked great as it was. And I can't wait to put the 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 HD package on there, you know, for for well for the One X anyway. I don't know if they'll they'll do another patch for the Series X, but um, and then I got to looking, and on um, the the Game Pass, you can now play Wolfenstein: The New Colossus. That's available on there, and I've been waiting to play that but then i thought since we're so close i might as well wait till that patch comes out too for the new system so um man all the all the talk about going outside i feel like <laughs> i don't know i'm conflicted maybe i'll get all my outsideness <laughs> you, you just need to now, rig, you, know, you need to set up a rig so that you're, you're sitting outside playing video games you can enjoy both <laughs> 
that's it. I'll entertain the flies and the mosquitoes while I play games. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Man. So what have you been playing uh, over this past week? Well, uh, I've just been continuing with, with Ace Combat, and, I, and I, I've been thinking about that too. I've been a lot of thinking, Russ, since I've been up late and can't sleep. I've been thinking. What they need to do, they've offered the same Jets for like seven games. And what they need to do, they need to either wait until there's some new aircraft available or they need to change it up like do all together like Ace Combat 3000 or something like that, you know, years in advance. So you can actually pick like starfighters or future aircraft or just change the whole thing up because the, the game just looks the same. It's like, it's like that a new racing game that you, that you get, but all the cars have been different for the last 20 or excuse me, all the cars are the same for the last 20 years. It's just, but so it just feels the same. Like, Oh, if you get enough money, you can get this jet here. I'm like, well, I played the, the jet, that jet, the last six games, like it's the seventh game. Like I want to play a different jet and there really is nothing else to select, you know? Mm. And I guess when the military is making multi-million dollar aircraft, they're not going to make a new model every four years. I mean, you know, the, the F-15, the F-14, um, those have been around for decades. So anyhow. But they're like, they're like classic cars, you know, you, you don't really want to exclude any of them just because there is such a, a past with each yeah. one of those. Yeah, I don't know. I guess I'm just looking for something different there. So anyhow, just a little, if, if Namco's listening, uh, you know, something a little bit different, uh, maybe in the next uh, probably five years, I'll, I'll have to go by before they release another one. But who knows? I don't know, Russ. But that's what that's that's the only thing I've been playing, uh, watching. Uh, the wife and I started watching Jessica Jones on Netflix, and that is a crawler. Man, that yeah. show takes forever. We don't we don't know. I don't know. We're, we're we're just we're basically watching it because we're trying to to get more details of what happened in Daredevil, and we were sitting here actually after the podcast last week. And I, and I had an epiphany. I thought, you know what? I think I know why we don't know what's going on in season three of Daredevil. Because if I know Marvel uh, and how everything's been playing out in the movies, they're probably going back and forth within all the other different shows that they have, the little Marvel shows. And so we probably have to start watching those and then do, watch season three of, of Daredevil. And sure enough, she looks it up, she Googles it. And yeah, you have to, you have to start everything that they have and get into it like you'll finish all the first season then get into second season a couple of them and then start marvel's defenders and then go back to season three of daredevil so we have we have a ton of stuff that it's it's obvious why we're clueless of what's going on it's because this stuff's been happening in like four other different shows and we have no clue what's going on so anyhow i don't know if we're going to continue watching jessica jones because we need to fast forward it's it, it is boring and the, and the <laughs> villain is boring and uh it, we're just it, it's 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 slow it is just so what you're saying is is that uh you love it you can't wait to watch more of it right actually when when the when a nature show is more fun to watch than a marvel show <laughs> that says something yeah and so we'll watch Jessica Jones and then we'll watch like the Netflix version of of uh of that BBC uh, special with it, what was it? That was Our Planet or something like that. Or, oh no, Planet Earth. And it's almost an exact replica. They even have David Attenborough narrating um, 
the same similar footage and everything, but it, it's beautiful. Nature shows nowadays are really epic. I remember back in the day when I when we used to turn on KQED and watch, this is Marty Stouford, and yeah. you're watching <laughs> Wild America. And all he would do is just like, you know, film, but it was kind of in the 70s and 80s. So the film quality wasn't that good, but it was still entertaining. And now they have drone footage and 4K and everything you could possibly imagine at every angle. I mean, nature that shows is a real incredible. Yeah, I, I, you make a good point about that, about how back in the day when we were kids, it was it was interesting to watch, but you kind of got lulled to want to take a nap after you watched one of those nature programs. But now it's like nature shows are like the cat's meow. It, they are extremely entertaining and like the the quality of, of the, the footage that they're able to achieve. I'm blown away every time. Like I am totally down to binge watch like earth or what, you know, there's, there's quite a few of them that are out there now, but um, I, I'm right there with you on that where, where it's, it's become very much in vogue to, to watch those nature shows. But otherwise that's what does it for me. Okay. You, Russ? How was, how was, uh, how was your week? Well, my week was uh, pretty busy. I got to say we, we were going as a collective team at my job uh, toward a, a particular milestone. And so there was a lot of crunching going on, a lot of 16 hour days and <laughs> crunching. Yeah. And you look over at somebody's like chewing a bunch of corn nuts. You're like, no, yeah. not that type of crunching. Not that kind of crunching. It's not the kind of crunching that uh, despite the uh, the amount of time I was crunching, my muscles are uh, no longer, um, they're, 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 they're not any bigger than you would think when it comes to crunching. In fact, they've gotten smaller and are probably in a more dire state of uh, atrophy, but it's the wrong kind of crunching. But anyway, yeah, we, we were going through a lot of stuff and it, it was really exciting. I, I was very, very pleased with where the team ended up with everything. And so uh, needless to say, uh, it was, it was nice to be able to get to where we needed to be and be able to move forward from there onto the, the next milestone. And so that that's really cool. And it feels good, though, to be able to have a weekend where I can kind of let my hair down, what little I have left. <laughs> and so it was cool to be able to play some games. And so I was sitting down. Um, I was I'm still having a lot of fun with the fighting genre. I was, you know, Street Fighter five is a game I have for PS4 and I play it here and there, but it's not a fighting game that necessarily grabs me like I I enjoy going into it. I, I only know moves for certain characters themselves, but I haven't really been obsessed or, or really committed to the game itself. Um, but having said that, it is a game that I, I do like to visit and come into to play. If I think if I had other friends who wanted to play Street Fighter, I think I would probably play it more. But it's just not one of my favorite uh, fighting games. But having said that, I did play Soul Calibur Six because... Um, Haumaru, and I hope I'm, I'm is that how you pronounce his name? I don't know. I don't anyway, know. he's a, he's a character from the SNK line. Um, and I, I can't, I think he's Samurai Showdown. He's either, he's either Samurai Showdown or King of Fighters. I can't, I think it's Samurai Showdown if I had to remember. But anyway, uh, kudos to Namco because the character turned out really, really cool. I think he's yet another great character to add to the staple, um, or stable, excuse me, of Soul Calibur VI. And I, I wanted to point out that um, I know that you haven't played Soul Calibur VI in a while. And um, since the game was launched, 
there have been a number of characters that they have added to it. And if you, you recall, I initially thought like the way that they, like their marketing team was, they kind of botched this a little bit, but when the game came out, it, it was seemed as though they were only going to do like one season pass for the game and that's it. And since that time, they've come out and said, no, we're, do, we're, we're doing season pass two and there will be other season passes as well. And they have continuously dropped more and more characters that are from previous Soul Calibers as well as guest characters. So I've got to say, I am really happy. I think the roster is way stronger than it was when it first... If you, you remember, how Steve, like when we were checking out the game for the first time, it seemed like, like there, was, there was an okay number of characters in the roster, but it wasn't like, wow, look at this huge like variety of characters to choose from. And I think now I look at it, I'm like, yeah, this is feeling healthy. This is feeling good. And oh, by the way, there, there are two more characters that are going to drop for season two before that's all said and done. And then season three apparently is also going to be supported as well. So I've, I've really been happy with this iteration of Soul Calibur. Were you going to say something? I just want the, uh, the exhibition theater back. That's all I want, Russ. That's all I want. Yeah, I don't know if they have included that in the, the the season two pass or not because I'm with you I really love how if you don't press start and you just let the game run like you see those exhibitions going on I need to look into that and see if they've actually done something with that or not I'm I, you know one other side note too about the game is when I play it on the Xbox one X there was um, a definite improvement in terms of the graphics because that was one of the funky quirks about the game too is if you played it on just an Xbox One, the the resolution was actually not even at 1080p, even you know regardless of whether or not you had a television that was 1080p. I think it was at some random number. It was like, I can't remember if it was like 960p or 740p or I don't know. It was some kind of weird, bizarre number, but it caused a lot of aliasing within the game. And with the Xbox one X though, it fixed that. So I was like, wow, that looks really good. If you played it on PC on 4k, it looked absolutely phenomenal and gorgeous. And it makes me excited for when the Xbox series X comes out because then I have a feeling the graphics are going to look even better seeing as how Microsoft is taking this approach with their, their architecture and hardware and so I, I'm going to be really having a blast playing that game. And especially when I can finally bust out the cash to get a 4K TV. I, I think that's going to be a game I continue to go back to time and time again because they're supporting it long term. And I think the way that they have set it up, I think that they, they can actually leverage the graphics to be better and better based on which platform you're playing it on. So is that a game you're ever going to get, do you think, or not? Um. I mean, it does have Geralt of Rivia as a guest character, Steve. I remember Russ. Uh, yeah, I, you know, I think it'll have to come on on Game Pass for me to get it. Uh, I like Tekken Seven, for example, is on Game Pass. I've yet to download it, but I'm 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 definitely going to do it. Um, but you know, just because it, it, I'm fighting games aren't my thing. I'm just not in a rush to run out and get it. But you've always been pretty good at Soul Calibur, though. Yeah, yeah, I know. But there's other stuff I need to play. So if I get Soul Calibur, I, I would probably get it and then not play it as much as I would like to because other stuff is is on is is new and fresher and and then you know more current, I guess. I got gotcha. you. So. I got gotcha. you. 
I do think that we will, I'm feeling much more confident now that the characters that we're missing that we like a lot, like Huang, for example, like he, he was kind of, I don't know. It was just, he was bizarrely missed when the game first launched, but now I have a feeling they will eventually get to those. Like Astroth was another one where I'm like, how on earth could you not have Astroth? That sort of thing. But they, I think they're, they're going to be having all of the, the characters eventually make their, their grand debut. And hopefully they'll make some um, new characters become available as well. Another side note, I think I told you over the phone as I was playing the game is that they have improved the loading times. That was another kind of fly in the ointment when this game first launched is that if you played it on Xbox One, the load times were excruciatingly long. You're thinking, what is the problem here? And I'm really excited to report that ever since they came out with some of their, their season two oriented bug fixes and that sort of thing, that now the Xbox one version loads just as fast as the Xbox one X. And I'm pretty sure that the Xbox one X version probably loads even faster now. So there's probably hardly any kind of load time at all. So that's, that's really, really cool. I, I'm, like I said earlier, I'm really impressed with how Namco has supported this title and they continue to make improvements. And it, it strikes me as they probably just wanted to kick the title out the door and start making money on it while they continue working on it, knowing that it wasn't, you know, hundred percent complete or whatever, you know, however you want to say it. I also want to say that um, after you talked about Ace Combat 7 last week, I ended up going on to Game Pass and downloading it. I haven't played it. I haven't tried it yet. And I also found that, you know, remember that classic arcade game, uh, Metal Slug? I think it's a, yes. it's an SNK title. That's available on Game Pass. I think I saw it, yeah. So I downloaded that, and I downloaded some other stuff, too. I can't remember what it is. I'm going to have to take a look and, and see. But I, I totally agree with you. I think that Game Pass has been a brilliant move by Microsoft. I really do believe in the platform and I'm so happy that they didn't just throw a bunch of like thoughtless uh, throwaway <laughs> titles from like, you know, 10 years ago. Like they've actually had like a lot of triple a games on that platform. And I think yeah. it's a wonderful deal. I, everyone I talk to who has it has not um, regretted signing up for that program. I, I, I really got to tip my proverbial hat to Microsoft and next. I think that's, that's a, a really great setup. I mean, it does make me wonder though, how exactly Microsoft does the wheeling and dealing with the licensing because they are clearly featuring various titles on there. And I'm not sure how they're able to recoup those costs, but anyway. yeah, I mean, I, well, either Microsoft or, yeah, well, what's probably happening is Microsoft says, okay, we're going to, you know, your, your game is, you know, eight months old, two years old, you know, whatever, and probably not moving as fast. They're not, they're, they probably keep tabs on how many people are playing it oh, through their Xbox Live account, and they'll say, okay, well, uh, to keep your game relevant and, and, and whatever, it will, we'll put it on Game Pass, and uh, there's not going to be any charge. But Microsoft still makes money, of course, on every month. And everybody's spending their, their Game Pass membership. But if if you and I and fifty other people go, okay, yeah, great. You know, I've I've I haven't really I didn't really want to spend sixty bucks in the game. I was kind of ho hum about. But if I can get on Game Pass, the more spending fifteen bucks a month on, then yeah, cool. I'll, I'll give it a shot. And then I get it. I download it and I keep it and play it for X amount of days or months. Microsoft probably will say, okay, here, you know, Studio XYZ, here is uh, some royalties through you because, or, or, or thrown at you because people are using their Game Pass to play your game. 
So that gets that gets money. You know that that increases the relationship between Microsoft and Studio XYZ. Studio XYZ still makes a little bit of money, and Studio XYZ can go. Okay, well, uh, you know, some people are interested maybe in in different these different features of our game or not, maybe this is why it wasn't as successful at that time, but now it is, you know, sort of thing. So I don't know. I, I think it's a good deal. I, I don't know if that's the way it works, but I can see that that's a possibility. It's probably similar to how Apple has their iTunes and app store <laughs> kind of set up. I would say more iTunes. Um, Cause I'm not sure like what kind of percentage I take from the app store, but yeah, it's probably they're they're It's like their version of like a, a central aggregation platform of sorts. Yeah. Oh, well, thank you for that, Steve. Hmm. I, I have also been playing more and more of Resident Evil 2 Remake as well as Final Fantasy 7 Remake. And uh, again, due to the fact that I have been working like crazy this past week, it's been sprinkled into my, my schedule here and there. Like if I just need kind of a break for like 30 minutes, I'll play. With Final Fantasy 7 Remake, I got to the part where like I came in contact with, I think his name was Rose. It's a dude who's on a motorcycle. Do you recall this? Yes. He's, he's like another is, soldier yeah. like Cloud. Right. Um, and it was really cool like to be able to come in contact with him. I don't, it's like I, I kind of like vaguely remember the name as well as the character, but I don't know if he's just off his rocker and he's just something like, like he's kind of like this weirdo dude who likes to challenge you throughout the game. Do you recall? I think so. Yeah, I, I don't think he he goes to challenge. I think it's just that sequence of the game. I, like he doesn't. I think he does think he's all that and doesn't think Cloud is is better than him. But I don't think. I think it's only with that part of the game he doesn't come back random parts and say, "Hey, I'm back." You know, kind of like that one guy in The Witcher. Um, but um, I do remember. I think yeah, I think his name was Rhodes or something like that. Yeah. I've got to tell you, it is such a bummer that we have the whole quarantine lockdown situation going on because I think you would absolutely love coming over and watching me play this game. And I, I mean, if you came over, I would just give you the controller and let you relive some of the stuff that you were already familiar uh, with. But I mean, the, the, the approach is so different, I feel like, from the original title that it's weird. It's like, I think you would totally remember what the like the story beats are and what you're supposed to do and stuff but in terms of the world being updated in the in the manner that it has i think that you would still have an absolute blast playing it and and i'm not you know very far in the game at all which is crazy because i have friends who have already beaten the game they've like maxed out their characters to level 50 and i'm like where do you get the time to do that but um in terms of what I've experienced so far, I would think that you would have a blast with this game. So I don't know if you're going to be getting a PS5 in the near term or if you're going to wait a while or what your plan is. But um, maybe at the very least, like once all this virus nonsense is finally over with, that you could at least come over and crash on the couch and check out some of it. You know, I wonder if Square will end up bringing the game to Xbox because... Square is not owned by Sony. And yeah, Final Fantasy was an exclusive title to, or Final Fantasy VII was an exclusive title for, for Sony. But Square has brought Final Fantasy to other platforms. So yeah. like, like the last Final Fantasy, you can, you can play on Microsoft and you can play Final Fantasy. Um, it's like a, a not, not, not remake, but um, remastered 
the remasters of the original version, like the real polygony version. You can play that one on on Microsoft on Xbox. So I wonder if at some point they, they'll just bring it over. Like after maybe the magic with the PlayStation's over and and people who just have one exclusive system might say, well, we like the game too. We'd like to, and we I don't want to go out and spend another 500 bucks on a system just to play this game. But I mean, yeah, I, I definitely throw some money my, uh, Square's way if the game was on Microsoft. You know, I mean, I think it's possible. I'm curious about Sony because if I'm Sony, I'm probably looking at the numbers. I'm curious to see how well Final Fantasy VII Remake is selling. If it's if it sells to a certain point or surpasses that point, I think I would be tempted to throw a bunch of money at Square Enix and turn it into like a an exclusive just for the Sony platform. But if it doesn't hit those numbers, then I think if I'm Sony, I would probably say, hey, I'm down for this being like a timed exclusive for the PS4 and PS5. And then after a certain date, then it becomes available on other platforms. What if they say, just because it's it's PlayStation, they have the exclusive rights to the, the game and they release it now. And so everybody on PlayStation, if you have a PlayStation, you can go out and you can buy your own copy. And then when the next gen systems comes out and people are on the boat for playing next gen games, then Microsoft gets it. But then they can get a they can put a their own patch on it, of course, so it runs uh, their way on the Series X. And and available at launch. Oh snap! <laughs> Yeah, I have no idea what their plans are, but I I do think that it is a possibility, especially considering the fact that there ha- there are other Final Fantasy games that are currently available on Xbox. I mean, Final Fantasy 15 is one that I started playing, right. and I think there have been other Final Fantasy titles as well, but Final Fantasy 7 has been one of those crown jewels in Sony's cap in the past, and I think it is going to be really I don't know. It's, it's going to be exciting to see how that whole thing plays out because if Final Fantasy VII Remake ends up making its way onto the Xbox platform, Sony will no longer be able to have that be like, like a, a killer app for their, t- for, you know, for their platform because that's one of the types of, of titles that in the past has really sold Sony consoles. Right. So I guess we'll have to see. Push up that fantasy armor and deal out some cards. It's time for our topic of the day. of the day is the legends of runeterra impressions this is a game that has been in a state of beta over the, the past several months and um it is the night it is the next offering from riot games um and uh for those of you who are unfamiliar with this particular title it is a collectible card game or better known as ccg and um the current phase is the open beta before the game officially launches on PC, iPhone, and Google Play next week on April 30th. 
And so, full disclosure, I nor Steve have never played League of Legends, so we are not familiar with the stories or the characters. And I can say for myself that I was excited to get in at the beginning with this title simply because I've heard nothing but really great things about League of Legends. And I have followed the game in terms of like the art style. And there have been just a huge amount of, of different types of artwork that have come out from the game itself. So I feel like this is a, a really nice opportunity to get in on the ground floor. And... Yeah, there, there's. I have a lot of thoughts about this. I have played this um, a bit more than um, Steve, but Steve's also been been really like applying himself into it What's and, up? and getting kind of a <laughs> uh, just being kind of thrown into the the mix, so to speak. So um, there's there's a lot that I I want to cover with this because um, it's I don't know. Like I I feel like each session um, of this beta. Has, has garnered more and more interest from the public as they continue to polish the game. And I think in terms of the genre itself, you know, card games are one of those enjoyable traditional platforms of leisurely entertainment that goes back into the old days when you're playing poker and Texas Hold'em, 21, even Go Fish, you know. Don't so forget Solitaire. Oh yeah, you can never forget about Solitaire. It, you know, so that so it excites me to see the digital approaches that developers are taking when it comes to the, the broad genre of cards. And um, th there are a number of different things when it comes to this game in particular. You know, we've been looking at other games like Hearthstone. You know, that's, that's Blizzard's offering when it comes to like more of the digital card game. And CD Projekt Red has Gwent, which I, you know, I, I really do enjoy playing the game, but it, I kind of fell off the bandwagon because there were so many other games that came out and I just wanted to start playing and checking out. And it's a game I would like to get back to because I, I actually started to get pretty competent as a card player for that game when I was playing Witcher 3. And then when I was, I was actually part of the, the beta process for Gwent. But when it comes to a game like Legends of Runeterra, I really do feel like it, like it's much more of an accessible card game because one of the things I've noticed in some of my other romp throughs with um, some of the, 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 the competing games is it all comes down to the, the learning curve. And there's a lot of strategy that's involved, which I think is cool because it means that you don't get bored with the game necessarily. But I do think that the other titles have a higher degree of the learning curve that may turn some off. And I think that that's not necessarily the case with this title. But um, yeah, I figure what we could do is, is um, talk, you know, go through a list and talk about the presentation of the game, the music and VO, the animations, um, the gameplay itself, the strategy, um, and you know maybe even talk about like like the sense of discovery and the, and the tutorials um and, and kind of give our, our thoughts on and impressions on it but you know so the the game itself has um at, at least in terms of at the time of, of open beta there there are six regions so you have demacia you have uh frail horde you have um i don't know if this is <laughs> i mean pronouncing this correctly but there's one that's like i uh, Ionia or, or Ionia, something like that. <laughs> There's uh, Noxus, 
Piltover and Zahn and the Shadow Isles. So you have a healthy amount of different <laughs> That's types. The bad places. That's the place of the undead. <laughs> that place is evil. Just it, in its it, name. I don't know if it's evil or mysterious. <laughs> 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 so it's it's really cool because um, you can tell that that Riot Games, who is the developer behind this title, they have this huge pedigree of characters and factions and worlds to draw from based on the League of Legends title that has been out for a long time. And you can tell that they are actually going to be leveraging so much more than what you see. Because in the game, like, you have these six regions. And I was thinking to myself, well, this is really cool, but I wonder if um, they're going to add any more. Well, I went onto the Twitter and I checked out the account um, at Play Runeterra. And they already have plans to leverage their considerable cast of characters with um, the next expansion um, being Bilgewater. And it's called the Rising Tides. That that the, the that's the name of the expansion itself. But it's essentially a pirate region. And you gotta check this out. Like when you get time, Steve, you should go check out um, all the different like card pictures, and they have movies of, and previews and trailers and stuff on um, at Play Runeterra. This is another region that like you and I would have a blast. Like imagine Sea of Thieves, but then with even more personality and in the form of a card game. And so you get to be all these different types of, of creatures and characters and the way that the manner of which like the abilities are cast and stuff. So it, it, it very much makes me confident that moving forward with this game, they're going to continue to have region after region that gets introduced into it. And I could see how like that is how their microtransactions will remain healthy and strong as it, as it comes through. Speaking of microtransactions, um, this is something that I was looking into as well. And um, everything that I have read and, and also with um, just looking through their store and everything, this is a very fair game. This is not a pay to win type of structure at all. And Riot has been very proactive in making sure that it is a game that, like, if you don't want to spend a, a penny, you don't have to. And I think that that's really cool because you could literally just continue playing the game and earn your way through it. It would probably take you a long time to get through and unlock all the stuff, especially if they are aggressive with their release schedule, which I'm pretty sure they are because they have like this armada of concept artists and designers that work over at Riot. And I think that they're going to be just dropping like expansion after expansion after expansion, which is great because it just makes the world that much richer. Um, but I'm curious to know in terms of, of your, I know I've been talking quite a bit here, but um, what is your, your high level impression of the game, Steve? Well, I'm, you know, as you said in the beginning, I'm not that big of a card game player. Card, card, a CCW, I don't know. CCG, Steve. CCG. <laughs> I mean, when I started playing Gwent with, with The Witcher, I, I I knew there was some some magic there. I mean, there, were, there were people that would, would find it a lot of fun, but I could never win. I'm just going to say that, Russ. I could never win at freaking Gwent. And I, was, I just started wanting to play the game. You know, everyone's like, hey, you want to play Gwent? Yeah, uh-huh. Thumbs up. I'm like, no, I, I don't. I just want to... I just want to kill some bad guys. That's what I want to do, okay? That's why I'm playing this game. I want to brandish my sword, and I want to <laughs> cause mayhem. 
I'm gonna brandish my silver sword, cast some spells, and cause some destruction. So, anyway, that's what I did. Well, uh, and then some other games came out, and I would play mobile this, mobile that, you know, but I, I couldn't really get into it. And, I mean, so this one is definitely better, I would say, than the rest. And, and you know, I, I think a large part of that is due to a lot of the animation um, because that is entertaining. I mean, you can only look at a, you know, a nice resolution cardboard and hear voices and go, okay, what else do you got? So a lot of the, a lot of the animation really uh, is, is, is fun uh, or makes it a lot more fun. Um, you know what it reminds me of is... You know, when you, when you play games like chess or like Star Wars chess, for example, um, where you, you're, you know, the, the knight is going to take a pawn uh, and instead of just taking the piece, they, there, there is some small battle that happens and, and it's kind of epic in its own way. And it makes chess a lot more fun because you, instead of just moving two static pieces, you're actually moving different figures that'll move in battle and have and you know that's just a different element of fun and so not like this game does it but it kind of does a little bit with the spells or if like a, your character uh, gains a level or something and i that is, for me anyway is going to keep me coming back and, and wanting to learn more uh, because of all that stuff but if that wasn't there to me I, I probably i probably wouldn't stick around for very long yeah, I think I think you bring up a good point in the sense that the the flash um, or the flashiness of the game it keeps you engaged as a player, and I think that you're absolutely right. I, th I you know having physical cards in your hand, like if you're playing poker or something, it is fun to play every now and then, and it, it has stood the test of time. That's why it's a classic game. But I think when it comes to a game like this. It reminds me of kind of like, like for instance, like the Star Wars chess game. I know exactly what you're talking about. And that's a really good example because it's it's creative. It, it really brings the the pieces to life, and it's it's this imaginary world that you want to be a part of. You know, I think like if I were to actually look at like more of a say a physical card game, that is it, it comes to mind for me anyway, and that is Old Maid. You know, it's a simple card game, but one of the fun things about that game is the artwork, the art direction of those crazy characters in Old Maid is like, it's like half the fun. Like every time that we would play the game, it's just as memorable to look at the crazy characters on there. And in your mind, you can almost see them coming to life and doing things. And those characters didn't even wage war. So like legends of Runeterra, like imagine if old maid was, was a region or something like imagine those characters going to fisticuffs or doing, or having abilities or doing whatever. And I think that's part of the secret sauce when it comes to this. I think that, and again, like Hearthstone is not a game that I have played. It's a game I've been interested in checking out. Having said that, I have seen a lot of other folks play on Twitch and I've seen the trailers and that sort of thing. And I think that, that they were onto something that, that was a lot of fun. But I think the Legends of Runeterra, I think they take it one step further in terms of bringing this stuff to life and exploring more of the what if scenario where like, you know, if you had these, these static images, what would they do? How would they sound? What would the relationships be like if you had like certain characters on the board at the same time? And I think that that's really cool in terms of like what you said, the animations, 
the the voiceovers, that sort of thing, which we'll get to um, a bit later. But yeah, I think for me, for a high level um, first impression of the game, I I really do like it a lot. I think that this is a, a genre that I know I've had an interest in, like I mentioned before. But I think that this is a, a terrific opportunity to get involved with a game where, like, you know, if, if I don't, if I'm not in the mood for like a first person shooter, or or maybe I'm not in the mood for an RPG or whatever it is, but I just want to play a game that is going to keep me amused. And especially if I have uh, friends to play with, or even if I just want to play against the AI, whatever it is, it is a relaxing game that doesn't cause me to check out mentally. Like you have to be there and be conscious of what's happening and, and what's going on. But I think, especially if, if Riot continues to support it, which I think they will for a long time, I think I'm going to be very much engaged with playing this. And I think it's, it's a game that is up my alley personality wise. I, I think in terms of, of the characters and it, it reminded me of, you know, when we first started playing Overwatch way back in the day, I remember you sitting on my couch and I remember you turning to me and saying, this game is right up your alley. Like, like the, the types of, personalities and the polish and the presentation of the game and everything. I remember you were, you looked at me and you're like, man, this is like totally your, your kind of game. But I, I would even venture now to say that Overwatch was also right up your alley, Steve, in terms of the same type of thing. Cause it, I think it, it taps into our sense of humor and I think it taps into just kind of like more of our, our, the whimsical side of our imaginations when we're playing a game. Having said that, what did you think of the presentation so far? And again, I want to stress, this is still the open beta. We haven't seen the game actually go officially live yet. So there's probably some bells and whistles that, that we haven't actually seen yet. But what, what what are your thoughts on their approach to presentation? So the presentation, I mean, it's good. I, it's easy to get to navigate and not get lost and wondering you know, what you're supposed to do. And, and simplicity is good. Um, I think for someone like me, I need a very clear expectation. Not well, not expectation. That's kind of probably the wrong word, but very clear teaching of what is what. And sometimes uh, in the in the early parts of the game, uh, it's not clear at all. And I think to myself, okay, well, I guess I have to learn, uh, you know, trial by error, <laughs> trial by fire, <laughs> pun intended, <laughs> um, trial by steel. <laughs> And so I, I, I would play the tutorials and the tutorial, the tutorials are done very well. I mean, I'll, I'll be honest, they, they're doing very well. And when you, when you, when you do this something right, then, you know, they're, they're quick to praise you. But then other times they will say, okay, you're on your own. And then I'll think, well, you, wait, you didn't explain anything about what I'm supposed to do yet. And so I'll play a card, then I lose. And then I play another card, then I lose. And then I, I probably, I, try to do a different sequence of the same exact cards they give me in the tutorial and I still lose. And then by the 10th time, I'm thinking, well, I'm just done. Like, I, you know, I'll just go to play uh, something else where I'm, I'm used to, or something else meaning a different kind of card set. Um, and so, and then it just, you know, I played it for basically a, a, a day, a day and a half, and some today. And I didn't realize I could do certain things in the game until I reached a certain tutorial and that's it. And then it almost started switching everything around. I thought I wasn't even aware I could even cast that spell. I wasn't even aware that I could still play this other card even though it's, I'm not attacking or blocking. What in the world? Like, why didn't it tell me that before? 
<laughs> so sometimes when I would play against the AI, all this cool stuff would happen and then I would just lose. I'm like, that was awesome, but terrible. <laughs> um, I don't really know what happened. Apparently, you know, and everything happens so quick. I didn't, you know, it's hard to really learn anything. But that being said, you know, the game being in beta, I mean, already it's, it, it is very fun to play. There's, I can't, I'm not going to say there's, that really many glitches. I just think it needs a little further, you know, uh, sequences of, of explanation, but that's really it. I mean, as far as other beta games that we've tested that are on a higher caliber, um, I mean, this this has got a lot of room for it. But in terms of the presentation, though, like like when you first started the game and you were introduced to the home screen and you saw the artwork and then you start you started seeing the the the, the artwork on the cards themselves and the manner of which like like for instance like how the the board looks like when you first go in and you have your little animated guardian and stuff what what do you think of of the visual presentation? So the board is you know the board and the cards I would say are just kind of okay. Uh, it, to me, it doesn't really look that special. What does look special is the, all the in-between stuff. I mean, all you know, the, the the artwork where you're not in the game, or the animations in between loading screens, or you know, if something gets close up, uh, it, you know, it kind of has an anime style to it. Uh, you know, if, so, if there's a card that's leveled up. So, what what probably takes this part, what what takes this game and makes it its own, is that artwork because um, everything else, like the board and and just playing the cards, or just the cards themselves, not up close. I mean, that, it, it just looks okay, in my opinion. Okay. I, for one, you know, I, I think that they have a very strong art style that's, I think, appealing. You can tell that, and, and, and this is the same thing when it came to the, the League of Legends. I really feel like Riot Games is kind of like, I don't know, the cousin of Blizzard in a way, where like, Blizzard has a very defined art style that carries over into StarCraft, it carries over into Warcraft, it carries into, um, I would I would say even Overwatch. Overwatch is a bit, a little bit of a departure from the, the worlds of Warcraft and World of Warcraft and StarCraft, but at the same time, there is something that, that is very defined, that is very Blizzard-esque. And I think Riot has in, in a kind of a way that they, they borrowed a bit of the, the art direction, the art style that Blizzard does, but I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing because they've turned it into their own thing. And when it comes to this game itself, I, I, I for one, really like the artwork that is um, on the cards themselves, but I'm with you in the sense that I think that given the fact that they are very conscious of wanting to inject as much character and personality into the game as possible because it is a card game. Um, I'm surprised that you don't actually have animations taking place within the cards themselves. I think that if I was the creative director of this game, um, that would be a, a very big pillar within the, the pillars that make up this game. Simply because I think, and again, you maybe it is because you know, like if, if I think of League of Legends, for instance, they created a lot of the login screens that have that 2.5D looping animation where they take a, a, um, a some sort of drawing or, or illustration that one of their artists did that was just a static image, and they brought it to life. I think that that would have been really awesome to be able to have in this game. And also be able to push it a bit farther in terms of like, like if a character talks, 
Like you actually have just like a, a Disney level um, of animation within the cards. And I think that would be so much fun and so engrossing to be able to see that happen. And I, I for one, am, am hopeful that they actually maybe down the road, because it's, it's pretty evident that, that they don't have that going into when the game launches initially. But I do think that it is a proven approach because if you play Gwent, for example, CD Projekt Red has animations in their cards and they just loop, you know, they do their thing. And then especially like when you decide to play a card and have it um, take on an action of some sort of or attacking, defending, casting a spell, whatever it may be, you actually see some sort of really cool animation take place within the card itself. So we'll have to wait and see on that. Pivoting off of the presentation, though, what do you think of the music and um, all the voiceover? So the voiceover is good and the music is nice. It's not really a game I really want to turn up loud, per se. I totally I, could see you and I like having fun doing voiceovers for a card game like this. I, but the, I, I will say that I think that what they have scripted the, the voice actors to say is definitely good. Because they could say, you know, in this day and age, they could say some pretty vile stuff. And I think that would really take away from the game. Uh, but what they have the actors and actresses saying, I think is good. It's it's entertaining. It's lighthearted. Um, but, you know, being a card game, I think it needs to be <laughs> lighthearted. Um, but I like the variety of all the different voices for sure. Um, it doesn't sound like there's, you know, five people doing all, <laughs> you know, all 20 voices or anything, but, <laughs> you know, I do think one of the, the voices I've recognized, I think it's the voice actor who, um, plays Marcus Phoenix from Gears of War. I think he's one of the voice actors in there. And, uh, I, I'm, you know, I should look up, I should see if there is a, a webpage that has identified all of the, of the different talent that you have, all the different voice talent. Because I'm pretty sure that Riot has deep pockets and they've probably hired a lot of folks that if we found out who they were, you're like, oh, that's so-and-so. Well, I think that IMDB will still have voice actors, even though it's uh, a movie database. I think they would still have all the voice actors for different game work that they've done. Might want to look down at Bruce. I think I think I will. Uh, because again, there are so, I don't even, uh, have you, uh, you probably haven't even had a chance to like experience all the different cards and characters in this, yeah. this game yet. Right? No. no. Yeah. Okay. Um, one of the things that I think is interesting is, um, like which regions I gravitate towards. And I, for one, um, I think I have played mainly as Demacia, um, the, the different characters from the shadow Isles, and I think it was like Ionia or Ionia. I'm not sure how do you, how do you say it? But so like Demacia is like the, the type of, of, um, faction that's like, it's, it's all about valor and honor and that sort of thing. You know, it's all the, ha ha, you know, you know, I will protect you. That sort of thing. And then you have the uh, the Ionia. Um, that seems to be more of an Asian influence where you have lots of ninjas and dragons and um, more of like the, the sneaky uh, characters. You have um, not necessarily samurai per se, but it's within that kind of vein. 
So and, and they play way differently than the folks over in uh, the Demacia area. And then Shadow Isles, I actually have a lot of fun with too because they they're more mysterious. They have more of that like frightful undead kind of feel, but like they're not like 100% evil. Like I said, they they tend to be a bit more of that kind of spooky, threatening kind of thing. Um, I don't know. It's hard to put my finger on it, but I found myself having a lot of fun playing as them because once again, their abilities make their strategy fundamentally different than any of the other regions. So I haven't had a chance to play as Noxus or the Piltover and Zahn or, um, I mean, the Frail Horde I played a little bit of, but having said that, there are so many cards that I don't possess or own. It's very difficult for me to say, oh, I prefer this region over the other region and those cards and whatever else. I mean, there, there's, there's a lot to still unlock for me. John DiMaggio, DiMaggio, uh, does not look like he's on Legend of, of Renteria, Renteria, but he does play in Final Fantasy VII Remake, and he does, he is a voice actor for the Bender in Futurama. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Anyhow. But yeah, I, I, mean, I realize I'm digressing a bit from what we were talking about, which is music and the, the voiceover. Um, I absolutely love the main theme song that they have. It's the most calming song to listen to. I could have that just on repeat and be working on something else entirely and enjoy it. And I find myself humming along to that song, which you know I, I think it speaks highly of, of the composer who put that together. One of the things that I have discovered too is... So if you look at the store, one of the things that you can purchase um, are the, it's like, it's like your half of the board itself. And they have, I think, like eight different options to your um, disposal if you decide you want to like, you know, pony up some money and buy for it. It's like, that's like one of the microtransactions, right? It's not a pay to win thing. It's, it's, an, it's purely an aesthetic. And so you can go through and, and each one has its own music and it has its own like little special effects and stuff, little animations. So I think that the, in terms of variety, like if you wanted to, you know, change up kind of the dressing, so to speak, of, of how the board looks, what's really cool is, is that you will, like if you're playing against the AI, well, actually, I don't think it matters. I think that you only update your half of the board. So if somebody else has purchased, say, a different type of world, let's say like you're against the Shadow Isles and they want to have a skin, so to speak, of their half that looks more akin to like that. And then you're like Demacia, which is like this kingdom bright and shining armor kind of thing. It, it, it actually creates kind of a, a nice visual uh, variety, really. So... Again, when it comes to that, I think the, the voiceover stuff is a lot of fun. I would actually encourage Riot Games to continue to even create many, 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 many more lines of dialogue that they could use, even for pre-existing characters, characters that launch with the game itself as continued expansion packs roll out, as they do updates and upgrades to the game over the years. I just think that this thing should be absolutely chock full of various lines of dialogue for all these different characters, because I really do think that is part of the lifeblood of this game. 
I know that you have alluded a bit to this, Steve, already about animations, but let's talk more about that. What about the animations do you find so appealing? That it, it really does take like the full screen. Like the there's not something that's you know a quarter size of the screen or even the tenth size of the screen or a size of a card. Um, you know, if a character gains a level or if you win or lose or if there's a transition moment or a card has a certain ability if it attacks or blocks or uh, or is overtaken, um, you know, it, it the animation takes up like half the screen, so it's almost a wow moment. Uh, it's not something that. Uh, you know, you're you're just gonna sit there and you couldn't miss it if you blink. I mean, it, it's like, it's totally in your face. Um, so I think that's great. I think it's very colorful too. And I think with all the sound effects that they that they put in there, it's not just a, a whoosh or anything. Like you can hear the clanks or you can hear dirt or rock breaking or clanking and stuff. So um, all that really adds to the pot, I guess you could say for me. Yeah, I totally agree. I think in terms of the animations, that is yet another part of the secret sauce of this game that makes me come back again and again and again, is that it's really fun to actually see the stuff come to life where when you play a card that's more powerful than the other card or you gain an ability or whatever, it's just great to be able to bask for several seconds in some sort of cinematic animation that I think is is, is a reward. You know, it's like, yeah, you you outsmarted whatever was coming your way. And here's like a cool, like, you know, gold, golden star sticker, if you will. But when it comes to, to even leveling up the characters, you know, they, they have their own types of animations. When you cast a spell, they have an animation. When you, something as simple as like just taking out a card, it has its own animation. And so I think that that is a very welcomed thing that, for me personally, that's exactly what I love. And I think that's what you really enjoy too, is having that showmanship, having, having the, the kind of the creative thought process behind the different cards, because the more that you play in the, with like the different regions and the different characters, they all have like different types of animations that are very fitting to those characters and those classes. When it comes to the gameplay, what I find interesting is the gameplay itself is two players and I, and to my knowledge, I, I don't think there are any more, but it, it got me thinking like, what if there was a way in the future where if you have the same type of setup, like legends of Runeterra, like what if you had four players or more? What if you had six players? What if you had eight players? Like what if there was a way to like, and again, not, not to go too far down the rabbit hole. Let, let's say four players. I mean, that would be a huge Pandora's box that they would open of opportunity, I would say. Because, like, imagine, like, you, myself, Nick, um, and someone else, like Brad or whoever. Like, if you had four people playing the game, or let's say there was, like, just you and I and two AI, um, two AI opponents, I think what where my mind goes is like, it's almost like, let's say we're playing Starcraft or we're playing Warcraft, right? You have the option in those games to be able to dictate, okay, I want to have like two human players and four AI players, or I want to have three human players and one AI player. And, and I think it's really cool to be able to have that flexibility with the board itself. I do realize that it would fundamentally kind of shift how the game design works in terms of the gameplay mechanics, but I don't think it's out of the question. Do you think that that would be something that you'd be interested in? 
Yeah. Yeah, I would. Uh, maybe forming some alliances also. You know, maybe so it's not every man for himself, but... Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know. That'd be awesome to have alliances in a game like this, where then all of a sudden, like, you know, if I'm, I don't know, say the, the Shadow Isles and, and you're like Noxus or something, I don't know. I think that the the combinations of the different alliances would also then provide different types of creative opportunities too, where like you're backing each other up in different ways. And that, and so then you'd have original animations that would then fire off because different things are happening that, that normally they never would if it was just one V one. You know what I mean? I do know what you mean. Okay. <laughs> now, when it comes to also the strategy of this game, I, w- I do want to touch upon the options um, as it applies to the order of operations. So in this game, it's very much a tit for tat type of thing. However, in terms of like the different types of cards that they have made available, you have certain types of actions that are fast and you have others that are slower, that are kind of slow burning, that take maybe like a turn or two to activate. But if you activate them successfully, they can change the entire course or direction of um, the, 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 the movement of the game or really like, um, I'm thinking of a word. It's like, like, starts like with. in football. What's that? <laughs> starts with. Sounds like. Yeah. Well, well, like in football, for instance, like when you have players on offense and you have players that are on defense and they're, they're moving the chains, they're doing what they can and they'll have momentum. And I guess momentum is probably a good, a, a good enough word for it. But like, you know, if you're like losing the battle, so to speak, um, I guess, you know, initiative would be another thing too, but I think momentum is probably a good enough word where, you know, you could, you could change the tides of battle. How about that? That sounds, that sounds epic, doesn't it? <laughs> but I think it's, it's worth noting that there is so much strategy involved with this and you have there, you have to really respect the gameplay mechanics. Once you start to like, kind of grasp how these different mechanics work, how certain cards fire off at certain times and when to leverage those cards, you start to set up kind of a chain reaction that I think is is very rewarding. Um, and I Un- think it's... It- Unless, Russ, the cards that you're dealt are all high number cards and you can only play one or two at a time. And then the other, the, your opponent has four cards. You have two, no spells. And it's like, what on earth do I do? The cards were given to me at random. Everything's random. I can't do jack. Well, and I think that that's part of the setup. So, like, they they have this little counter on the right-hand side that ticks up after each round. Like, like it starts out with, like, you can only do, like, um, you know, you can only play a card that has a numerical value of one or maybe two at most. And then as you survive each round, it gets more and more aggressive. So it ticks up to three and then four and then five and the six. So you're, you're able to play higher-valued cards all the way up to, like, ten. And I think what's crazy about it is it forces you to have to, you know, you you have to be frugal and and think ahead as to like how you want to be able to survive and early on. It is very reminiscent once again of like those real-time strategy games like StarCraft where, you know, if you're the Terran, you can't just build a, a, a battle cruiser right out the gate. You have to leverage what you have, which are your little CV units. And then, you know, if you're able to have a Marine or two and survive for a while as you build up kind of like your, 
your base of operations. I think it's very similar in this regard when it comes to the cards. But I think, to your point, Steve, one of the options that I think is really great in the game is you can actually create your own deck of cards. So you could go in and see all the different cards that are available to you. And oh, by the way, they're not limited to the regions themselves. You can you can totally create a motley crew of characters from all the different regions into one single deck and then use that deck when you play against other people or the AI itself. So like if you're finding, for instance, like, man, I just don't have enough low valued cards when I start out, I'm really struggling. Well, you can create a deck that has like four or five, six, how, you know, quite a few cards that are like, you know, kind of that one to two um, level range. And then, and oh, by the way, like, like you, you can continue to, to play test with that deck. So then you think, well, I have tons of these like lower valued cards, but now I don't have enough high level cards to really seal the deal and, and take out my opponent. You could go back in and edit your deck. So the, there, there's a lot to this game. I, I would say that I would argue that that there um, are multiple layers to this game that even I myself have yet to really discover or master. But the more that I'm I'm putting into it, I really find myself enjoying this quite a bit. And I think that that kind of leads me into like just the final thing that I wanted to, to discuss, which is the sense of discovery. In this game, I think um, will continue to be really strong because I think that they have been very methodical and, and thoughtful in terms of how this game can be very deep. I think the more that you put into the game, you, the more you're going to get out of it. I think that like as you move forward and you go beyond just the basic fundamentals of how the game works and how it's played and you start to really go into thinking about, okay, how can I really go about like I've I've actually created um, three different decks of cards in addition to the, the decks that were already pre-made for me. So I think I have like, I don't know, like five or six decks right now. But it's really fun to be able to plan ahead and then execute on that within the game itself. And I think that's what makes me look forward to playing a game like with you, for instance, is like being able to like come up with our customized decks and then have fun with the different characters and stuff, I think will be really rewarding. But I do think that you have to put in the time in order to make that work. Cause like I, I went online to like play against someone just to see what would happen. And I totally got owned by someone who probably has played this since like the very first iteration of the beta back like in November of last year. <laughs> Hasn't slept like, for 36 hours, just played. Oh my gosh. It's so, yeah, it's so <laughs> Uh, it was humbling, but at the same time, I knew I would I would have my butt handed to me because I, I didn't I don't know what I'm doing. But having said that, it didn't like kill my interest or or desire to want to be able to get good at the game. So I I think that in terms of of having that sense of discovery continue on, and especially as they they launch more and more expansion packs of different regions, you're going to be able to cross-pollinate more and more of this. Or maybe you want to stick with a, a particular region and continue to, like, figure out how best to, like, like you know, set yourself up for victory. And I think that due to the fact that you do, you do not have control necessarily of which cards get drawn. I mean, you kind of do with your early units, your, your low tier units, but then midway through the game and going into the, the end game, you don't know which cards are going to be drawn. 
And so that there's always that it's, it's that sense of chance, right? And I think that's that's what is always kind of a, a fun thing. But what do you think? No, I mean, I think it, that it's. <laughs> I think process loading. Um, <laughs> you know, I, you have to put a certain amount of time in with any game to really master it. And, and I mean, if I put a quarter in Street Fighter and expect to beat the, the kid who's played the same game twice a week for the past two years, you know, I'm, I'm going to be very humbled and, <laughs> and walk away with my tail between my legs. But uh, so I, I can envision myself playing this against the AI for a very long time before I even venture out and uh, attempt to be humbled. So, uh, I mean, with all the different spell effects and, and status effects uh, that can be put on your allies and or uh, your opponent, I mean, there's just, there's a there's just a ton you have to learn and know uh, before you can you can venture out and really I think probably have a good time because I think there is a sense of reward if you're the guy who's handing the the other guy's butt to him. There is a sense of reward in that and. Um, you know, at, at some point you're going to be that guy, but you're going to have to climb the ladder to a certain height before you get there. Yeah, yeah. I, I um, I do have a couple of issues with the game that I, I I do want to comment on. One of which I know that you you talked a little bit about, and that is the tutorials themselves. On the one hand, the tutorials are a welcome thing. Like I, I do like how many there are. And I, and I do find myself going back to them just to refresh myself because they cover quite a bit in terms of like how to be a better player. Um, and one of the things about the tutorials themselves is they take the, I don't know, it's almost like a swimming instructor's approach to um, teaching in the sense where like initially they're handholding you through and they go, okay, this is how you do it. Check this out, do whatever. And so it's almost like you're kind of like this kid and you're learning how to swim. And um, (laughs) the, the, the swimming instructor has their hands underneath you and they're, they're basically like letting you float as you learn how to like flail about in the water. We're using your arms and legs in uh, synchronization. (laughs) And then, you know, there comes a point in the tutorials, though, where all of a sudden they, they, they remove their hands. And they expect you to swim. And so then you're kind of going into doggy paddle mode and you're like, how on earth do I get past this one thing? And, you know, they are very much um, in a state of mind where you ha- they, they expect you to, to, to do an order of operations in order to pass the test, basically. And I think that's where things get a little frustrating. I know I got frustrated um, on a couple of occasions. Luckily, they were few and far between when you look at like the whole list of tutorials, but they, they were um, hard enough that I had to actually go online and figure out how to pass it. And I understand that it's kind of a tough love approach that they have because they want you to remember how these things work. But I think you got frustrated at the exact same tutorial parts that I did and there are, there's just no helping whatsoever. You're kind of locked in this like do-over process. It's almost like Groundhog Day where you have to do it over and then do it over and then do it over. And you're trying to figure out what on earth they want you to do. I do wish that they did have a better approach to that. So you could either get some hints or if you just wanted to kind of get past it, then you could do so. Or even just have an explanation. I mean, if, if you, if they told you how to do something and 
know, they're, they're giving you little tidbits here and there. It's not even like a full explanation. And they're giving you enough to, to, to go on where you're not reading something for five minutes. But it, once that's that explanation's gone away and they're like, okay, here you go on your own. You're taking the, the training wheels off. Then you're going, okay, well, what did you tell me 10 minutes ago? Okay, I think I got it now. And they only give you, there's only a certain amount of things you can do. I mean, you can't do an infinite amount of actions with five cards. So, um, so at some point you've done everything that they, that, that, that you are able to do and you're still losing. And so what I would like personally is once you've done everything, it's clearly you've lost. They don't just go, okay, we're going to ask you to do the same thing the next 10 times over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until you look up on the internet or call Riot Games and say, how do I get past this freaking tutorial? That yeah. they, they just give, they say, okay, this is why you lost. You lost because the cards that you, we gave you were this, we instructed you to do that, and you, did, you, and you did this instead, and therefore that's why you lost. Try it again. Try it this way and see what happens. And you go, oh, okay. You know, it's like, it's like being asked a question in advanced like I, I was never good at math in school and so I'm you know when the te- when the when the teacher when I wouldn't raise my hand to answer a question the teacher would go Steve what's 5456 uh to the exponent of 8 divided by 3 off the top of my head and if I didn't have the answer in 5 seconds they'd be like okay let me ask you the same exact question again I'm like Okay, uh, and if you know, as I'm turning beet red in class, it's like, okay, obviously I'm not getting something that you you said earlier on. It, I mean, how much more time do you want to waste asking me the same exact question before we just move on, or you, you give me a hint, or you know whatnot, or am I you know back into the game? Am I just going to be crappy at at um, just this you know certain area of cards or I'm just not going to be able to do it because I never got through the tutorial and and I just never picked it up so anyhow I mean a little bit of hints go go a long way yeah the other piece of of critique that I have regarding the game is so there's a progression system that the more you play you begin to unlock rewards and it is a nice system to have it's prevalent in a lot of other types of genres of games and I really enjoy how like they have this wild card system, and you have different wild cards that um, they you, you have different common, rare, uh, I believe it's epic and champion cards. Um, there might be one class in there that I'm missing. I'm not exactly sure. But as you progress through this reward system based on experience and leveling up, you then gain the access to these cards. And what's really cool is, is that Riot has set up this game so that you can go through the deck and see which games or games, which cards you don't own. And then you can apply a wild card if you have one available to that, that particular class. So it, like if, if, if I were to compare this to like, um, let's say Overwatch. I know it's a, it's a different genre of game, but like for instance, you get a loot box. When you open the loot box, you have no control over what you're going to get. It's definitely one of those like kind of Pandora's boxes. You open it up, you see what you get, and you may or may not be excited about what kind of loot is in there. Well, they've removed that entirely in this game where if you earned a, let's say for instance, you earned a, a champion wild card. You can go into any region that you want and you can choose whichever champion you want to unlock for your deck and it's, and it's yours. And I think that's really cool. It, it, it goes into that kind of proving methodology of 
not wanting to be a pay to win type of um, of game. But the, the issue that I have is I had no idea how on earth to use those wild cards and, and, and unlock more of the cards. I spent so long trying to figure that out and I had to go online. I went on to Reddit and luckily someone explained how to do it. And I'm going to say it right now, just so that our audience who wants to check out the game, or maybe they're having the same problem. What you do is, is you go into your collection of cards and you go into a specific deck that you'd like to be able to unlock cards for. Now, if you unlock the card, you can, you can apply it to any deck. But what you have to do is you have to go to the button that says unowned at the top and it'll display all that. And then what I like to do is click on, there's another button at the top that's a filtering button. You want to filter, like so, let's say for instance, I have a champion wild card I want to use. What I would do is, is I would go to the top, I would filter to the region of choice that I'm interested in. And I would also filter to only show the champions. And then what I would do is, is make sure once again that you have the unowned selected so you can see the grayed out cards. You have to right click on the champion of choice and then a, a menu comes up that shows, oh, you have a wild a champion wild card that's available. Would you like to spend it on this or do you want to use um, like your shards or do you want to actually use the gold which is based off a of real life currency? And that's how you make the selection to be able to unlock it. But I had no, there's like, there, there are no visual indicators that I could see that directed me how to actually utilize that and unlock it, which is really surprising. Cause I mean, it's such a, a large part of um, the gameplay mechanics itself. I'm thinking why on earth is there not at least some kind of like video tutorial in this game that shows you how to use this? Cause I mean, it's kind of buried. Yeah. Anyway, little things like that, that perhaps they're working on a fix for when the game launches itself, because otherwise the game itself is a very polished title. I think that they've been working on this for a long time. I really do think that this is probably the, the official next game since League of Legends. I know they've had other little games here and there, but they don't really count. Um, this and also their first person shooter Vagrant, I think is... Uh, or no, I'm sorry, Valorance, I think is what it's called, or Valorant. Um, when it comes to, to Valorant and when it comes to Legends of Runeterra, these are brand new genres and IPs from Riot that have been in development for a long time. Um, I can't really comment on the other game, but I think this is a great hit. I think, I think that this is going to be a really successful game. I think it's going to be a lot of fun to continue playing here and there. I'm sure I'm not going to be playing it exclusively because I play all kinds of different games on different consoles and different genres, but this is a game that I will gladly be continuing to play. And I hope that, that you will want to play more of too. Um, what, what are your concluding thoughts on this? Yeah, I think... You know, with all these betas, I wish there was a way um, to make it really easy to contact the the developer and just say this is the problems that I that I find as a someone who's eagerly wanting to play your game and have fun with it just so they can consider making the change if it's going to benefit the game or not. Um, but yeah, I mean, I I don't I don't see myself playing it for long. I would say I I, I think it'd be fun to pick up every once in a while um, because it's definitely different than you know your your first person shooter your 
RPG, although it has the RPG elements into it, you know, it's different than your your action game, your driving game, um, your space exploration, you know, whatever. So, I mean, it's nice to, to pick up maybe, um, you know, play with your brother or with <laughs> maybe a friend. But yeah, I mean, I think certain changes to make it more social would be uh, would be very fun. So it's not just one-on-one uh, because, it, you know, a lot of the card games... Kind of, I mean, you are playing against one other person. It would be nice to play against a couple different people uh, all at once. So um, we can all get our butts handed to each other. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) Anyhow, uh, especially when you're playing on your PC. I mean, I think it's one thing if you're playing on your phone uh, because it might eat up a lot of data. But um, if if it's on your PC and it's through your Wi-Fi, I mean, why not have more people involved in it? It could be that much, that much bigger, that much more epic. Yeah. Exactly. Well, that wraps up this episode of Joygasm. Make sure you tune in next week as we celebrate our three-year Joygasm podcast anniversary. Thanks for hanging out with us. If you enjoyed this this episode, <laughs> we invite you to check out patreon.com slash joygasm, which is spelled J-O-Y-G-A-S-M, and consider becoming a monthly contributor. You'll get exclusive perks and early access to the show. Not to mention, it really helps us continue doing what we love to do. Also, you can follow us on social media and YouTube. Just do a search for Joygasm TV. We will see you all next week.